everyone, and thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. My name is Paul Ponte. I am joined today by one of the graduates of Pro Wrestling Iron, Iron Ray Kajimura. Hey, how's it going? Ray Kajimura, Smash Mouth, Lousy Wrestler. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to have you on. Give you the old Indie Handshake here to start things off. Little, give you a little Donovan Morgan. <laughs> I'll go with the I'll, I'll go with the mega power handshake for you there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Ooh yeah. Um uh, so so excited to have you on. Uh you know, NorCal wrestling is um often ignored, but not for lack of quality. And I've always thought you were one of the guys in Pro Wrestling Iron that I actually thought you'd be in the business longer than you were. I'm not gonna lie. But that's the way it goes sometimes. Thank you. That that means a lot, actually. So, right on. Uh, so, let's just get started with the typical stuff. I always like to start off the podcast with this. Anyone who watches or listens to this knows, which is how we discovered the world of independent pro wrestling. Oh, man. Um, you know, we had a family trip in Vegas, and my brother and I rented Beyond the Mat at the hotel room uh, uh, late at night. And me being from Castro Valley, um, we, we saw Michael Modest and APW, uh, in Hayward, California, and, you know, just blew my mind from there. And, uh, of course, as teenagers, my brother and I now have to like catch these indie shows, right? So I think my brother went to Pacifica and then me and my buddies went to San Leandro high to watch a match. And then my brother and I were hooked. And then I think we either saw King of Indy. I know we went to that cool, I don't know if you've ever been there. But in uh, Mare Island in Vallejo, that cool mm -hmm. sports complex, I don't oh, think yeah. it exists. But I think we saw a couple shows there, and uh, those are fun. And um, I think, for me anyway, with uh, indie wrestling, where I really started to like dig into it was every time I go to Blockbuster, I get a World of Wrestling magazine, and I would see all these cool things. And I think some APW stuff around there and stuff like that. And, um, and then, of course, I saw something on the discovery channel uh, about UPW with Rick Bassman. I don't know if you ever saw that either, but at that point I was hooked, you know, I was like, dude, there's a whole other world of wrestling other than ECW, WWE and WCW. So um, that's really how I uh, started really digging in deep. So uh, yeah. 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 The Ballard brothers talked about the, that, uh, that documentary, they actually were followed by that documentary when they did their, uh, like a dark match for WWE. Oh, is that right? Yeah, they, you know, like John Cena was all over. Yeah, yeah. So all the WWE guys were like, "Who the hell are these guys? And why do they have a camera crew following them?" <laughs> I thought they were so cool, actually, because I would. They were at the APW shows too, and I thought they were so cool with the slap shot the whole deal. And I was like, "These guys are awesome. They're like the Deadlies, but hockey guys." You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was always one of those things where, like, those were the guys that I felt like. And I mentioned it on the show when I talked to them that they never seem to have a bad match with anyone. Like you could put them in the ring with anyone and they put on a, a hell of a show. And you're like, that's really rare. And I think that's really something that in wrestling, especially people ignore, like the yeah. people who can really like carry others to having a good match, no matter who it is. I don't know. Do you remember, um, God, man, uh, when crash crash Holly was at pro wrestling iron Yep. and they did that cool match with, um, uh, in San Santa Cruz. That was yeah. one of my favorite memories. And, uh, been a, Young student, that was great. Like good old ring crew days. <laughs> yeah, talking about that, me and you were at uh, Iron at the, at the, around the same time when Crash Holly was there, and I always like to talk about like 
Crash Holly at PWI. I always thought it was crazy that, like, a dude who just got out of the WWE, really, he could have showed up and kind of gone through the motions. And he could have just kind of, especially like the PWI tryout, he really could have yeah. showed up and just been like there. But he was like really into it. And he was very into like talking to people and giving feedback and he cared a lot. And I, you know, no one would have blamed him for just kind of not caring, but he totally yeah. did. And I don't know. What was your experience with, with Crash? This might be a long winded story, but uh, I'm not going to lie. He was definitely a big reason why I joined Pro Wrestling Iron. So by around the time I started thinking about becoming a wrestler, like how do I get trained? He was one of those guys on WWE that I would look at and be like, man, how big is that guy? Because like, I, I want to get that big. And he's awesome. Like, I love the facial expression. He was so animated and all that. And um, it suddenly, I don't know how I came across it, but he went to APW. And he was from Pacifica and things like that. And I was like, and I saw a picture of him on Pro Wrestling Iron's website. And I was like, oh my God, he he's he's cool with these guys. So um that's how i got uh that's how i wanted to sign up with uh pro wrestling iron and then uh man when he walked in through that door for uh that tryout man, i was like oh my god this guy's the, he's here <laughs> you know <laughs> so um i mean there's a lot of stories there uh especially with that tryout there but uh moving forward uh, past that he always knew who i was um I don't know if you remember this. Remember we had to do a bench press uh, yeah. test in that tryout? He spotted me, right? And like him and Bison, which is like the most intimidating thing, a ni- mm-hmm. 18, 19-year-old kid weighing 135 pounds. <laughs> but I'm doing this bench press. Uh, I think we put up uh, two plates. It was 135. So it was so more than my weight. body weight. And I get on the bench and I know a lot of guys couldn't do the bench press and crash just looks at me, this, this scrawny Asian kid and goes, are you sure you can do this? And I, I've been lifting weights. So like, I was like, okay, I, I could do this. No problem. And I think I just busted out 12 reps. Yeah. You did and, more than everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think so. I, <laughs> I think maybe there was like one big guy there that was like, no problem. But like, everyone was like, what the fuck is like this kid's on what is is this kid on right and i swear to god like the one thing that just put my mind at ease was bison smith looking down at me and going you're amazing man (laughs) but um yeah and then they brought us all in a room after the uh after the pro uh the whole tryout and crash was like oh it's the kid with the incredible strength (laughs) and all that and Ever since then, every time he came in through the iron, the dojo, he'd always shake my hand and uh, we kind of chop it up a bit. And, you know, uh, especially at that Santa Cruz show, um, I think I was the first person to catch him pulling into the driveway in the parking lot there. And he goes, hey, man, what's up? Where's the locker room? So it's like, wow, like this is guy who I considered like a hero, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. or definitely. Uh, you know, I definitely wanted to be uh, one to train under him at that point. I was like, this guy's awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, that tryout was a trip, man. Um, oh my god, yeah. I remember. Uh, yeah the only the only thing I did good the only thing I did good on was the promo. Everything else I was crap yeah. on. Uh, <laughs> I just was I was not an athlete like at all. Uh, so I was like I was horrible. <laughs> and then uh, and then I did the promo. And then of course when I caught into the the room where they judge you afterward, uh, Michael modest. 
like completely dead face panned goes so you're one of the strongest people here physically and i was like and he like like totally sarcastic but he said it's so deadpan i was like wait what (laughs) it was so funny you have no idea how nerve-wracking that promo part was because all of us were like shit you know and i did I was a drama geek in high school, so <laughs> I did a couple drama classes, and I only did it for the sake of one day becoming a pro wrestler. But everyone was—I don't know if you remember, but like everyone was like talking shit about a wrestler, right? Yeah, or I did. Like, I did. I, pro- I cut him. a promo on Bison. Did you cut a promo? Okay, <laughs> because I did his website at the time, so I knew him pretty well. So for okay. me, I was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna, you know, shoot. I'm gonna uh, cut a promo on my friend." I was like, "Ah." And, well, for me, like everyone was looking at one camera and there was another camera like right down below. And I don't know if it was Vito or Jesus holding that camera, but I got in the face of that camera and, you know, because it's kind of jumped. And I just proceeded to do an infomercial <laughs> on my website, hellocool.com, which never existed. But <laughs> and I think I plugged the biography, like my autobiography book on there. So on a 12-step program how to be cool like me yo everybody my name's rave ron and i'm not here to brag about myself today what i'm here to do is show you my new book entitled i'm hella cool and you too can be just like me but first of all let me introduce myself my name is ray and to all the ladies come to my left get mustache rights and to the fellas get hand slaps to my left all right now if you want to be cool get pearly whites look good in leather and get kloitz and doits Go to www.imhellacool.com and be just like me. What was that? <laughs> so, so, yeah, um, I know they got a, a big kick out of that and because they were all laughing about it in that office. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what would you what would you say about like the training you got at Iron, uh, the overall experience, like? Also, and you know, what kind of wrestling did you want to do going in, and then what you know, how did that change or defer when you actually got into the ring? Oh man, um, the training at Iron, uh, man, uh, that same day at the tryout there, it's pretty much like an awakening, uh, eye-opening experience. Like I think they there was like a mini show afterwards, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. And. I saw Michael Modest, Donovan Morgan, and at the time, my favorite WWE wrestler, Crash Holly, beat the hell out of Sarah Del Rey. <laughs> and it somehow le- ended up in the parking lot. Do you remember that? Yeah. And from that moment on, I just was like, what the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> right. And um, yeah, it was um, one of those things I didn't want to blow. Um, cause they caught me a good deal after the tryout and I've always been in martial arts. I've always been somewhat athletic. So doing the tens and ones and the squats and the running that, that was uh pretty fun for me. Uh, but falling down was a whole new experience. Uh, I don't know if you were there for my first class, but Oh yeah, I was in that class, but I had lead in my ass. Like I couldn't do a high school boy bump to save my life, you know? Um, uh, doing a veal scared the hell out of me and things like that. But, um, yeah, I remember that. It was always like, you look at it, you see just someone throw themselves over and you're like, Oh, that's easy. And then you try to do it. And all of a sudden you're like rolling on your head, you're rolling on your neck. You're like, wait, why is this so difficult all of a sudden? 
Yeah, right. And I would do like, geez, like, and then you come, you get out of there, not think, like it's a nice mat, right? But you come out of there like, oh, geez, like, I don't know how long I could do this for. And um, plus, I was a little guy, so I knew there was, I knew that the chips were stacked against me. So um, I treated it just like a like I was going to martial arts. Like I did Taekwondo as a kid, so I, that's how I treated it at first. And, uh, it was just a matter of going to practice and sticking to it. And, um, I don't think things started to get, um, I think things started to get more, uh, crazier and crazier once Joey Harder came into the picture, because <laughs> this guy would be not only my competition, he is my best friend. He is my he's family at this point. I don't know if you heard, but yeah, I was the best man at his wedding and all that, but man, that kid was a machine. He was just like, I knew that I was the fastest. I knew at some point that uh, like I was, I can get the bumps down and all that. And, but man, Joey Harder came in and he was just the baddest ombre in the class. All of a sudden I was like, fuck. So I had, my whole thing was I got to work as hard as Joey. <laughs> so, um, and then because Joey always pushed me, you know, we would end up, we lived maybe 10 minutes away from that place. Uh, and we'd always go there during open gym hours, chain wrestle, practice forearms, hitting the ropes and things like that. So a lot of that was seen by guys like Mike and Donovan, Vinny and yeah, Sarah and all that. And they would just start showing us new moves, moves after moves. And that was really when we started getting into the into the cool stuff you know and then i want to say right after the masala shows over that summer do you remember that yep when like masala and ogawa came and we had those big shows and nigel mcginnis was there once we started coming at the tail end of that donovan was like well showed you everything you guys are doing a match and man it was all it all downhill from there man <laughs> so but i tell you learning uh learning forearms for weeks and just getting that nice <laughs> tender feeling right here in the, in the pocket. And, uh, we, we thought we were just doing forearm, forearm classes for a month. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm rambling here. Uh, ask me another question about, uh, <laughs> elaborate. Well, so, so getting into that, actually, that's actually a pretty good segue because we've had, when we had like a hook on here, he talked at him and a few other people, they talked about, Iron did a very like, you know, pro Japanese style. So sometimes that would clash a little bit when they would go to other places. Uh, not necessarily like PWG was like a good fit for like guys like Hook and Darnell going down there because they were like, oh, you yeah. guys hit hard. We hit hard. Everything's great. Uh, but maybe other people didn't necessarily appreciate it. They're kind of like, why are these guys coming in smacking the shit out of us? Uh, did you ever, ever have any experiences like that where you showed up and people were like, whoa, brother, what's what, what's with uh, the hits? Oh my God, all the time. Um, and it carried over uh, in the later in my career when I moved to the East Coast. But what really pissed people off was that I was such a little guy. And I, all we learned was forearms, chops, and I love chopping. Right? Um, but I can remember learning like an insiguri from Donovan. And he said, just kick the motherfucker, <laughs> right? You're not going to kill him. I went, all right. So whether it was an enziguri or a, a buzzsaw kick, 
I would lay it in and hopefully the guy would turn his head, but yeah, yeah. got a lot of heat, got a lot of heat. And, um, you know, uh, especially when I uh, moved down to BTW after when, uh, iron closed, that was a whole new style I had to learn and it wasn't bad. It was a whole new move set for my arsenal uh, of moves. So, um, but it took a while for them to be like, Hey, you need to, you need to settle down. <laughs> so, yeah. And what was that like? What about like uh, SPW stuff like that? You know, cause, uh, I think cause we were so cool with Sal. Um, yeah, nothing. You know, I've wrestled guys like, well, uh, there's always a guy bigger than me. SPW. Like, um, do you remember that big German guy? Um, uh, I'd come from like Oregon. <laughs> oh my gosh. I forget his name. Oh man. Hans Mueller. Oh, okay. Hans yeah, Mueller. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I remember I had to wrestle him at SPW. And like <laughs> I didn't do shit to him. <laughs> I was just bumping like crazy. So, um, yeah, as a wrestler, um, one thing that I always took from like guys that I watched, like Bret Hart always took really good heat. Like uh, he could sell, mm-hmm. he would take an ass kick and, um, I, as a face, that's how I, uh, would work in the ring. Just bump me around. I'll sell and I'll do the comeback, get a couple moves in there. And then when I would switch to heel later on in my career, instead of acting like Bret Hart, I would just bump like a pinball, like totally Blanchard and, um, uh, gain that heat that way. <laughs> so I think yeah, I was a better the- heel. I was a better heel than a face. <laughs> so. I think one of the. Someone, I saw someone post this on Twitter, and I wish I remember who, so I can give him credit for this. But they pointed out something I never like noticed, but it makes so much sense. They said Bret Hart sold like he was blown up from like the first five minutes of a match, but you know he was never blown up. And I was like, that's a really great point. Like he always seemed like he was completely out of breath and tired because he was getting so much punishment. And then you're like, oh wait, he's just that's like that's all just an act, and it's that's great. I don't know. Right. To me, I I just like that. I think that's. So, so weird, but like something you don't notice, you know, especially as you, as I got more experience in the ring, I can remember like, I just sold, I sold a bunch of moves, <laughs> right? I was wrestling Ryan Taylor. Oh my God. Big shout out to Ryan Taylor. Um, and one of my favorite matches, but man, he blew me up or at least that's what it looked like. And I remember just sitting in the ring, like, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> like, this is great. <laughs> actually cut that out <laughs> okay babe but no i just remember um i took a big bump and i just kind of took a deep breath and shook it off and i'm like all right show must go on you know i kind of got into this a little bit with some of the other guys who were at iron um so i just wanted to see maybe your perspective on it uh you know i feel like iron was one of those things where when it started off we were very much like optimistic for it we were like okay we got this noah connection uh, we got great wrestling. We got great wrestlers, proven guys in the Northern California scene, like Donovan and Modest and everything. But then everything eventually, you know, kind of went off the rails and then went away. What was your perspective on that whole thing? How it faded out? Yeah. Man, that was a hectic time. That was crazy. Um, everyone moved away. Everyone was moving away. Um, I know that Joey had graduated from Cal State East Bay. And he moved back home to San Diego. Hook moved back to L.A. I think Apollo followed, too. And he moved to L.A. Um, yeah, Modest didn't live in California. I don't think he lived in Oregon. 
So it just became like, it just became a, uh, uh, people were leaving and, uh, they had, and for me, it felt like, uh, people had better things to do. And mm. yeah, you know, like, and you know, there's, I'm not sure, uh, if they were still in Noah at that time, but you know, they were always going, uh, doing tours in Japan and things like that. And it, it um, I was there cause I, I lived in Castro Valley, you know? And so for me, it was like, it, it's just, it's a school. It, it were there's a good beginners program. We we still got some good teachers. I know that um, Vinny was teaching the semi pros there, and um, who was teaching the beginners class? I, uh, I know I would sub for a couple times. I think it might have been Drago uh, teaching the beginners class at that point. But it just became very apparent that like we're doing less and less shows. We're doing dojo shows, but you know those were like free like open house shows, and they were fun. But it just, that's how I saw it. Everyone was leaving, you know, the, they, the, we all became adults, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, but, uh, yeah, once we decided to shut the doors, it was like, and I've always, I've always, it's, uh, I got a lot of heat for this. I know I pissed off a lot of people, uh, around iron, but it didn't seem like I was taking it too seriously. Um, the one thing you got to understand, I was still in school. Like um, when Iron closed down, I was in my junior year of college, you know, and um, I had just broken my leg too. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, I broke my leg in Swiss Park when we had that show in Swiss Park there. Mm. So I took a lot of time off um, and then I made it back in time for like the uh, final dojo show. But yeah, just uh I wasn't taking it seriously. I don't think I took a lot of outside bookings either at that time. Um, and uh, I was just kind of meandering around. So it was just a, a, um, just a lack of effort from all sides, I guess. It, the best way I can sum it up. So Yeah, there was. We all became was, adult. Yeah, <laughs> you know? there, there was quite a bit of a, and Modest, we, we have a, this, this interview, sit down interview we did with him. It's coming out later this month. And he mentions like stuff like, he left people in charge of the dojo and they'd literally like leave the doors unlocked for like days on end, like over like a, and like stuff like that, where you'd be like, people just didn't really seem to give a shit. And yeah, there, there's a, also when I was there and I'm not going to say any names cause some of them may have, uh, you know, they're not the same people they were back then, but there were times when some people who were supposed to be people in positions of power would show up intoxicated, uh, and when you're dealing with that and people in a ring and you're kind of entrusted with their safety, it's, yeah. it's really not a good thing. So there's there was just stuff like that that I thought I felt like that's why I use the term like going off the rails because I, I really felt like yeah. a lot of people got very comfortable. Uh, a lot of people stopped Guilty. caring. And Guilty. yeah, but yeah. yeah, I think you know what I'm what I'm driving at. But yeah, I think that's uh, totally. kind of the vibe it had. And I totally, I totally indulged in a lot of it because being a young 20 year old kid learning how to wrestle would probably at the time for me, the coolest guys I've ever met, you know, it's just, it became a place for me to, it was a part, we partied, you know, yeah. and we lived like rock stars. And, um, oh, and yeah, and there was nothing wrong with, you know, a lot of times people partied afterward in the gym. That's totally cool. Uh, but yeah. there were times when literally it was like, 
got class right now. Maybe he's not the. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's like things just became a little laxed uh, at the time. Um, yeah, but let, let's get let's get off let's get off that subject because th- there's a lot yeah. there's a lot of stuff there, but. I want to go back into the the big time wrestling of it all. Uh, you're learning a little bit more of a, I guess you could call it like an entertainment based, a more sports entertainment based style. There, uh, you know, it's they have a lot of casual fans, they got a lot of hardcore fans, but they're it's it's definitely more of like a sports entertainment style, I would say, than you know, hard hitting Japanese style. Uh, you wrestled Sheik Kanabadi, now known as Dark Sheik, the mother of Hood Slam. Uh, so go into um, the learning curve from doing something like a pro wrestling iron into going into big time wrestling. Oh man. Um, I was excited because I, I wanted to learn something new and I, um, and you know, it's funny. Uh, I was just saying this at work the other day when I buy something, the packaging has to look awesome. And I like the presentation of BTW despite what people think. Um, you know, some people couldn't believe that I signed with BTW and all that and uh, after Iron Clothes. But for me, I saw a fresh crop of guys I can work with because I also visited APW and it was more of the same. Um, and Roland was a nice guy. Um, I had a meeting with Gabe, but um, because there was bad blood there. Uh, I was going to say, I'm, I'm sure Roland wasn't exactly the warmest when, with someone from P- PWI. Actually, he was. You know, the crazy thing was, me and Tito walked in there uh, the same day, and um, without thinking, Tito signed up right away and, jo- and jumped in the class. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but um, you know, um, no, but he was totally cool, and I, I even talked to him later uh, in my career uh, while I was with BTW and all that. And you know, no harm, no foul. Um, but uh, I saw BTW like I, I can work with Sheik. Um, I know that Chemo and Chico ended up going there and they were uh, iron students. So I felt comfortable being there as well. And I can work with them. Um, kid cool. I was, uh, I saw another guy, a cruiserweight that I could possibly work with and things like that. But no, I, I really loved the style. Uh, I liked, I liked the gimmicks that I saw. Like, again, despite what people say, uh, I thought Emperor was cool. <laughs> you know, that was a really funny gimmick. I was like, this guy's awesome. <laughs> you know, and he was a nice guy. And, um, um, he was one of the guys I was looking forward to having me, uh, over at BTW and things like that. So no, uh, I learned how to punch there. Everything was a stiff forearm for me. So I remember the first time I threw a forearm in practice and it just happened to be with Jason Styles. He just looked at me like, dude, you better calm down. And I was, like, <laughs> was going to say Jason Styles, he especially, he'd be like, dude, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> oh my God. I threw a forearm at him and he goes, you're too stiff. <laughs> and it's like, the thing was like, it wasn't just one forearm. I might've peppered him with like three. And I was like, Oh my God, my bad. But, I thought he was um, going to go with the classic. Uh, do I owe you money kid? I thought that's what he's going to go for. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and you know, I like Jason. Um, you know, he definitely hazed me when I got there, you know, um, I don't, I can't, enti- I can't be for sure that he, welcomed me there in the beginning but um oh no jason said you saw the episode jason said uh at the time he may have been kind of an asshole <laughs> oh no he totally yeah he totally was but you know by the end of it all you know uh, when i during my time there like i enjoyed uh hanging out with him uh, you know yeah. uh, i thought dash was great too he definitely taught me some stuff and um 
Storm was another guy, Wildstorm. He was another guy that I can uh, wrestle with. But I have to tell you, I got to give a, a shout out to Sheik because me and Sheik, uh, we just meshed well together. We, he was one of those guys who didn't mind that I'd form him or chop him. We, we had a series of matches in BTW where I was able to showcase my stuff and make him look like a million bucks. And man, I mean, just going off, seeing where he's gone off today, just, uh, you know, uh, man, he was, a he was a superstar then he's a superstar now. So he's, he's a, he's a bad man, pajama. So, <laughs> uh, so let's go into, uh, going into SoCal, going to EWF and all that, man, that was cool. Um, so Joey, um, Joey's my best friend, uh, hands down. Yeah. He always looked out for me and I wish I could do more for him. But, uh, he called me up one day and he goes, man, you got to make it out to LA. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to drop your name to my, it's a big red and, uh, we're going to get you out to EWF. And man, I tell you, man, Joe dude, automatically just hooked me up with a match with Ryan Taylor. And I just got off a knee injury. Like I, once I got out off the knee injury, I had one match to see if I could still do it. And, um, after that I was hooked and that's when I started taking things seriously uh, in wrestling. Like I wanted to get booked. I wanted to, uh, get regular practice in just anywhere I can get booked. Well, I don't care if it was once a month or every weekend, but Joey got me booked out there consistently. And right off the bat, Ryan Taylor, uh, I think his name's Russ Taylor now, right? And uh, I know he's an NXT, and I'm so happy for him. Uh, but we we stayed close throughout the years. And, man, uh, uh, we just bumped the hell out of each other. I don't know if you ever – did you see that match? Yeah. Yeah, oh, my gosh, man. Uh, and they had such a cool production where they had commentary, and then Joey did the commentary for that, and – you know, it was one of those, that was my first heel uh, uh, match where I was a heel. And I remember the booker there, Red, he goes, can you work heel? I said, I always wanted to, want to do it. <laughs> he goes, cool. Can you do it? And then Joe just looked at me and just, just be yourself. Just be a smart ass. Like, you're the <laughs> biggest smart ass I know. And I said, all right, cool. And I was just, I don't know what clicked in that match, but I just started doing things that, like um joey always found this funny like i just stopped everything i was doing in the middle of the match and i did one of these <laughs> to the crowd and i just got the biggest booze and everything and um joey just thought that was a million bucks and you got to keep that and so no and i took some crazy bumps in that match the running power bomb the german suplex straight onto my shoulder <laughs> right up yeah it was great uh i was able to showcase so much there and um because of that I started doing programs over there. There was one guy from Japan that I had to wrestle and um, his pictures did not look like the man that I wrestled. <laughs> he beat the hell out of me and things like that. But uh, I, I think say, my did, that, favorite, did that iron training kick back in when you, when you started, when you start getting, I the, could, match man. The, the guy was huge. <laughs> you know, it just bumped me around. <laughs> I'll sell for you like a million bucks and I'll just get cheap heat. But um, I think my favorite time in EWF was uh, Joey was on his way out. He was uh, he's ready to hang it up. And he set up like a month 
for me over there where it's just like we're gonna do a program like me you and hook will do like some tag matches and then me and you will get uh start to break off and then we'll do a triple threat match with hook and joe which i fucked up a spot there (laughs) um but that was eventually going to lead up to joey's farewell match and i had my last match with the guy that i had my first match with joey harder and you know those matches in la like i've had a dozen matches with joe (laughs) like and um by the end of it joey and i would just fuck each other up in that matches and just half nelson german suplex is straight on the top of my head um i couldn't do any of those moves so i would fuck with joe with other in other ways you know like i can remember there was a match where i put him in a chin lock and then i just started popping his pimples <laughs> and just scream i'm popping his pimples and then he'd get pissed off or you know Instead of raking his eyes, I'd pull his goatee. <laughs> Things like that. But, you know, yeah. I love Joe. It's like, you know, I knew that I was going to get a receipt for it. So he would just call a spot like duck three back body drop. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, my last match there was, I believe, Joey's last match. And then from there, I moved straight to Boston. Uh, I took a flight to Boston after that match. And there I stayed. Yeah. So let's go into the East Coast mm-hmm. stuff. Um you know, what was that like as far as, you know, style change, all the learning curve in that way? None whatsoever. Because I, um, I was always paired with guys that wanted to work snug. Okay. Uh, yeah. But um, that journey was awesome. Because I went there really with uh, no agenda other than to wrestle. And so the first the first step was making context. Like, because I didn't know anybody out there. The only person I knew that worked out there was Sarah, Sarah Del Rey. And um, she hooked me up with Chris Hero, of all people. And Chris Hero was working for a a monster wrestling uh, organization called Kaiju Big Battle. Yeah. And they put on... Dude, they they totally, like, rent out rings from indie promotions, and then they just set up, like, makeshift cities in the ring and put on the Godzilla outfits and just crash into each other. And... Um, so once she uh, told me that she uh, he works out in Boston uh, with this group, I had looked up the group and I caught a show. And it was out in Webster Hall, New York, Manhattan. And it was probably the coolest thing I ever seen. Chris Hero just beating the hell out of <laughs> kaiju monsters. And I was like, whatever this is, I got to get in on this. And um, kaiju ended up hiring me um, as an intern. And basically like it gave me a chance to use their their facility because they had like a makeshift ring in there where i can practice and train some of their guys how to bump and things like that so that was cool and from those shows not only did i wrestle chris hero from those shows but there was a lot of indie promoters that would you know loan out their rings to us and they would see me work in the ring and basically that's how i got started with the showcase pro wrestling no, okay. there's a guy named uh, Chris Blackheart. He invited me out for a show. He liked how stiff I worked. He liked how um, um, how approachable I was and things like that. So I got I was welcome like every month to his shows, and it was out got out of Borough, Massachusetts, and we'd wrestle in this Moose Lodge. And um, one thing led to another. He started putting me over. You know, he wanted me like a he wanted me at first to be the 
the crowd opener because he knew I can get some heat and all that. And uh, that worked out well. And all of a sudden, I'm getting like pushed to the moon with this guy. And I never thought I'd do it. I always thought I'd just be like just some guy in the middle of the card. But he put me over in battle royals and and uh, title shots and all this. But I don't think things really started. Like I started getting noticed once I started wrestling um, uh, the Boston bad boy, Jason Rumble. And I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he was well-known uh, Boston wrestler out there. And it was a hot, disgusting, humid day in that uh, Moose Lodge. And this guy, he goes, hey, brother, I work stiff. I work really snug. I went, cool, me too. And, man, we had we ended up having a stiff match. And it ended up in a brawl where we started bumping the ref. And it was, like, the coolest match ever. And mm. from there on, he would just tell guys in the locker room, this guy's mustard. This guy's this guy's solid. So I started, that's when I got hooked up with new England championship wrestling with Sheldon Goldberg and man talk about a cool production. Cause they had a weekly, um, direct TV show. Yeah. And, uh, they would always have a promo room in the back in the, uh, next door to the locker rooms there. And that's where I would hang out. That's why I would just lick my chops there and, Attempt to be funny, <laughs> be, uh, uh, show everyone what a complete smartass I can be on the mic and all that. And man, uh, that just became my new home uh, right there. Yeah, it's totally different because now it's a little bit different. It's like I feel like every indie promotion out there now has like streaming and like live streaming and they're on fight TV and they're on independent wrestling TV and they're like on everything. But at the time yeah. to find like literal like they have a tv studio where you can go wrestle and you're on tv and you're like you said a, pl- a place to actually a designated promo area like that's yeah. not really especially in norcal we didn't have a lot of that no we didn't it was just go out there and wrestle you got five minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't fuck up <laughs> yeah we're gonna wrestle in you know king city or something like that and then Angels only camp <laughs> yeah and then like nobody shows up and then you know it's a whole whole thing uh whereas you know when you're doing it on tv you get like actual like different feedback plus you have to actually play the cameras now which is a totally different experience that came naturally to me i don't okay. know how that was um but i remember the television producer oh god i'd get so much heat from the television producer because i would do something a little bit too over the top but uh anyways he was so he was so high with on me because i always fed to the camera and i don't know it's because I just like the showboat <laughs> or I'm a mark for myself, but I always knew where the hard camera was and no matter what I would sell to the camera. And yeah. <laughs> so, so what was the heat then? Oh my God. I would, I had a match with Virgil, uh, one day Virgil Flynn. Mm-hmm. And I just felt the need to grab my crotch, like, <laughs> um, just to get heat. I don't know why it was funny, but there's a, I know I have the video somewhere where my brother's obnoxiously laughing and he goes, who told him to grab his crotch? It's hilarious. Right. So that stuck with me. And, um, of course I brought it to Boston with me and being that we're on cable access television and I grab my crotch just to, it's like, I stood on the top rope and grab my crotch and like, dude, you cannot do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember the television producer, um, I did this awesome promo there. Um, and somehow in the 
middle of this promo, I said I was the cock of the block. <laughs> and um, they they stopped recording from there. And they're like, dude, what are you doing? You can't say that. You can't say cock. And I was like, oh, my God. Come on, guys. <laughs> Don't be like a rooster. It's a rooster. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's such an old timey expression. Um, but no, um, I remember the guy in the video who always edited the videos for them. They were just like, listen, he did a dozen of these promos. They suck. Other than the one where he says cock of the block. I'm just going to censor it. Right. And I went, oh, that's perfect. That works. <laughs> like, let's keep that. And they kept it. They there bleeped it out. And it was like my best promo <laughs> ever but i think that was like the big no-no from there okay <laughs> and they're like you know what um we're gonna you're gonna have to tell us what you're gonna say from now yeah <laughs> all right brother we have reached that point of the show where it's time to take it home i have a Let's list of it. questions here to ask you uh feel free to take as much time as you like on them uh feel okay. free to digress do what you like to do these rules are not super strict uh, it's like the DQ rules in New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's kind of at your own discretion. Uh, <laughs> what are some uh, favorite road stories from the indie scene? Oh, man. You know, it's crazy. All these uh, superstars now that you see on TV, I forget that I used to kick it with them. <laughs> you know? Like Taylor Hendricks. I was in a road with, on the road with her and a couple other folks. Um going down there and it was just a long car ride of Mary fuck murder. <laughs> you know? so, um, that was cool. Um, any road trip with Vinnie Massaro and or Joey Carter is a good one. But you know, if you just want to get ribbed for eight hours straight <laughs> on the road, you get on the road with Vinnie Massaro, by the way, Vinnie, what's up, brother? I miss you. <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a long time. Um, but uh god you know joey told all of them for the most oh, part when i told him to try on those girl tights <laughs> you know i almost i almost uh skipped over this so i gotta i gotta jump back out of the take it home segment we're gonna do a false finish here uh what let's go into the uh the roh match i completely forgot to ask about that oh my god all right hey man uh this is a great story i uh, uh buckle your seatbelts um because I met Chris Hero and we got along so well. Chris Hero, outside of Donovan Morgan, um, he would be uh, another mentor in my wrestling career. Uh, anytime he was in Boston, he'd give me a call. We'd kick it. He would actually stay at my place, actually, in Boston. But um, anytime Ring of Honor was uh, in town, he goes, Hey, man, um, I got you booked in the dark match. Got you booked in the dark match. So He's I had a book at the time, time, right? Um, Gabe was one of them, and then Gabe um, Spolsky, and then Scrap Iron. Adam okay. Pierce was the, uh, at the other time. Um, so the first match that I had was a tag match with Bobby Dempsey and one of the other students. I think his name was like Sugarfoot. God, I forget. And then my tag partner was another indie guy uh, in the trial. Again, man, I'm so bad with names, but the guy had cool gear. Uh, I remember he had like a desert camo singlet you know and he was cool man we actually did some cool double team moves that night um yeah and then we just put over bobby dempsey and all that and and then um yeah i just kind of just watched the show from there but um the second one was the cool one 
as much as the match sucked, uh, I was a one minute squash against Bobby Dempsey. And uh, that's a heavy handed dude. <laughs> man, um, but it was a one minute squash. It was cool. I was grateful and all that. But the, the real story there was uh, behind the scenes because um, Bret Hart was there, you know. So um, he was there. He did a promo. He signed autographs and all that. But the coolest thing was we're all in the uh, back there. And Brett looks at me and gives me the nod. And I met Brett twice in my life right there. And I uh, it was all in BTW. Yeah. And he goes, hey, man, what's up? You you work in Boston, too? And I just went, do you remember me? <laughs> you know, and he goes, yeah, yeah. Um, you look familiar. Where have I met you before? And I was like, oh, I worked. I used to work for Kirk White in uh, California. And he goes, oh, that's why I know you. Right. So and he, he recognized the Mohawk at the time. And um, I remember I was smoking a cigarette out in the parking lot in the Newark Pavilion. And I didn't want to bother uh, Jim Neidhart or Bret Hart, but they were smoking cigarettes too. And all I hear in the background is uh, Jim the Animal. And I was like, look at this guy with fucking mohawk. <laughs> and I was like, hey guys, how's it going? But um, yeah, you know, it was like the coolest thing ever. Uh, you know, Bret shook my hand and he, um, he asked me when my match was. And I said, oh, I had the dark match. He goes, oh man, I wish I could have saw it. And I was like, that was like the coolest thing ever. Just, as far as I'm concerned, like, pretty much what Tony Hawk is to a young skateboarder. That's what Bret Hart is to me. <laughs> so yeah. um, that was a cool thing. And then um, just being in the locker room, just uh, in that part of the locker room, just uh, where my gear was with Chris Hero. And Chris Hero was the main event with Jerry Lynn there. And uh, Yeah, I'm hanging out with Kevin Steen and uh, Austin Aries and all that. And all I know, there was a uh, the show was going on and Eddie Edwards is – bumping referees ring crew and students and just clearing the ring and all i hear is scott barrio where's that kid from the dark match he bumps like he, he's a good bumper right and somebody said hey hey ray uh pierce wants you and i said oh yes sir what's up and he goes run out there and tell um eddie edwards to bump you i was like right now and he goes right now hurry up and i just run out there and i'm in my street clothes and all that and you know i go out there and Eddie knew me from New England Championship Wrestling. Eddie bumped me and he just bumps me and he chucks me out of the ring. And I don't know if you've seen like the old uh, uh, Ring of Honor thing, but they used to have these steel plates uh, zip tied to the guardrails. Mm-hmm. Man, I did that superhero uh, bump into that thing and then <laughs> crashed out. It was like the coolest thing ever. And, you know, um, yeah. And then afterwards, we just partied. <laughs> so <laughs> that was my cool experience with Ring of Honor. Yeah, when I was working at BTW, I I just remember like Bret Hart was always the guy that anytime he showed up, it was like, man, this guy's a nice guy, like totally, like totally friendly to everyone, like mm-hmm. everyone around gave everyone his time. It was very like didn't guys he didn't have to. I'm not talking about like fans. Like I was doing like the website and shit at the time, and I'm sitting there like chatting with Bret Hart for like five minutes. I'm like, this is weird. Like you don't have to Super. talk to me. Like the fact that he just remembered me by Mohawk. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, you know, the cool thing was it's like out of all like these like legendary wrestlers that I've met throughout my career, uh, I got to meet Brett. I got to meet Ric Flair. And those two are everything they say they are on camera than they are you know, in real life. And, and that was cool. And I met a lot of the guys uh, throughout the years, you know. But those meeting those two stand out, and it's not because I was starstruck or anything, it's because they were genuinely the coolest guys that ever walked the face of the earth. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to kind of 
ask a little bit kind of a more of a this might be more of like a inside your head mentality question. So you're both trying out. It's a tag team match, which means you're going to be intermittently in and out of the ring. You know, at what point do you say, I just have to put on a good match? Or you're kind of thinking like, gee, I, I don't really know this guy. I hope he doesn't like completely try to outshine or not, you know, get me. You know, I need to get my shit in, brother. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so like, so what? how does that mentally and like, you know, the pressure of like trying out for something like a ring of honor? You know, um, I can't speak for him, but for me, we've always been taught to be professional. Like whatever your job is, that's whatever you're told to do, just shut up and do it. And um, for me, I was just happy to be there. I knew that it's the dark match. No one came to see Ray Kajimura at all. So just go over there and put the put put over Bobby and um that, that's how I looked at it. And I think that's how I always looked at it. Even uh, starting out, I was like, especially in Iron, I would just kind of meander around and just do what you're told, you know, type of thing. So that I've always carried that. It was just almost like a, it's like follow orders, you mm-hmm. know? So uh, for me, when I got out in the ring, it's just like, all right, put Bobby over. Like, I didn't really care to do any of my moves. I, what I cared about was, because I, w- I knew that I was good with bumping. So, like, just bump for the hell out of them. And, uh, you know, from what I remember, we did one double team move and a cool finish. And as long as that looked crisp, uh, I was totally happy with what the outcome was. So, okay. Because nobody knew who I was. Nobody. Yeah. 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 So, all right. But they're going to remember that I, I, uh, I shot a really cool buzzsaw kick to Bobby Dempsey's head and I missed. So, (laughs) all right. So uh, I like to consider wrestling a very creative thing. You're coming up with moves, you're coming up with the character, doing all that stuff. Uh, Besides wrestling, what is your creative outlet? Oh man, my creative outlet besides Instagram and social media. (laughs) Um, uh, No, um, my creative outlet, um, especially after wrestling, like I've always been into fitness. So I, I became a personal trainer after wrestling and all that. And, um, I think for me was, uh, teaching classes. I was good at that. Um, I always look forward to it. So I, uh, for a better part of six years, I would teach boot camp classes and, um, they were popular and, you know, as far as being creative, it was just how creative can I make these classes? Because, if I can't be in the ring, I could definitely put on a show with the little headset microphone and, mm. <laughs> and all that. Um, outside of work, though, creative outlet, you know, uh, I just enjoy being a smart ass <laughs> all day long. And people who work with me now or know me personally, they know that Ray's just a silly guy. Uh, pretty cool dude. <laughs> so um, I like to work out. I I'm a big scotch drinker. I I collect cigars, you know, that those are things that I do to help me unwind and things like that. So as far as creative goes, yeah, uh, I'm not an artist. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I got a, I got a nice bottle of a Lagavulin 16 downstairs. That I, ah, that I enjoy. Right on, man. Good an Isla Scotch drinker. Drink to that, my friend. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite move or hold that you didn't use? My favorite hold or move. You know, I was not a high flyer. If I was considered a high flyer, I was a low gravity high flyer. <laughs> but um, 
I always like doing big man stuff, right? But um, I always wanted to use a mandible claw for some reason. Uh, I always wanted to use that, and I'd always get met with this thread in the locker room. I'll bite your fucking fingers off if you stick your fingers <laughs> up. Fuck, <laughs> you know, I was like, for the sake of entertainment, would you just let me put my fingers down your throat? <laughs> so it never happened. Um, maybe once in one match with some kid clumsy enough to let me do it. But um, I always like uh, big guy moves. Uh, I always wanted to use like a the front DDT where the, you put them in a bulldog choke and then you kind of take the face bump. I always wanted to do that. Um, never got to. Uh yeah, um, pretty much it. Oh, yeah. I always wanted to always implement some sort of amateur wrestling move. I always thought the banana split was a cool, like, pin and, and or submission. And I always mm-hmm. wanted to work that through. But by the, t- by the end of my career, I was, uh, yeah, just I never got to use it. So. I'd like you to finish the sequence for me. Drop yeah. down, leapfrog. Drop down, leapfrog, drop kick. Okay. <laughs> that's a that's the hook bone very spot. <laughs> yeah, drop that leapfrog drop kick. Yeah. <laughs> so when wrestling, uh, especially different areas, uh, you know, it could take place in a lodge. It could take place in a bar. Uh, fans get rowdy. You, you know, especially if they've been drinking or other things like that. What are some crazy fan interactions you've had? <laughs> this is all through the country, man. I've I've wrestled in many places: uh, Nashville, Boston, New York, Pennsylvania. California. There's always one guy in the crowd that always says, go back to China. Oh, <laughs> Dude. And clearly I have a Japanese name. There's Japanese something or other on my tights, <laughs> but they never knew the difference or they're just being plain ignorant and stupid, but, or funny. But uh, yeah, that, that always comes up in every show. <laughs> oh, there was one match where I gained a lot of heat. And it was Danny Garcia had put on a show out in uh, Hayward. And I swear, somebody came out in my match because I was wrestling Danny's son and I was pulling some cheap heat. But somebody came up to ringside with a baby in her hand and shaking a slipper, (laughs) yelling at me. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Love you, Danny. (laughs) Thank you for the payday. There you go. <laughs> that was a good payday too. That was a fun show. I liked that a lot. So, uh, so besides uh, hurting you, what's the worst thing someone could do in a match when you're working with them? Besides hurting me, God, that's a good question. Because I was a heel, so I always had the heat. Um, I never had a guy no sell for me, and if they did. I mean, I, I'd like to think that we were trained at iron to handle that situation. Um, a cheap, um, I mean, it has to go uh, for me anyway, like, I, I, like a cheap shot at the, like if they fucked up, a, uh, a, if I fucked up a spot, cause I know I've done it many times, um, to give me a cheap shot, like give me a receipt for it or anything like that. Cause you know, you never see that coming, you know, um, like I, I can remember, uh, messing up a spot in a match and, at the, once the bell, once the bell rang, once the match was over, the guy came over and kicked me square in the back of my head. Jeez. And yeah. And I just kind of looked at him. I'm not going to name any names because like, he is popular <laughs> or he is somewhere these days. But I remember just looking at him like, really, dude, <laughs> I was like, um, I'm going to have a word with you in the back. <laughs> right, so, um, no, but other than that, just 
the only thing I can think of that would royally piss me off if uh, you definitely just no sold anything I did. So, uh, any guys you mentioned it, you know, especially when you're a smaller stature in the ring, do you ever wrestle somewhere where maybe an older guy or a bigger guy was like, Oh, I'm gonna try to take advantage of this guy in the ring, and you had to uh, maybe set him set the record straight a little bit? Oh, yeah, hell yeah, man. <laughs> So with me, I know that as much as I'd like to be a tough guy, I'm not a tough guy. However, I am a big pain in the ass. I am a smart ass. Um, I will insult you. I will uh, just be a complete piece of shit with you in the locker room. But um, um, and I piss people off that way. But um, yeah, I had one guy. God, he was. From my understanding, he's well known in New England. I know he's he's on a Jerry Springer uh, episode, but he just didn't think that uh, I am nowhere in his league. And uh, he had come out of retirement thinking he should be the top of the card, and I just happened to be on the top of the card. And we were all supposed to jump in his match and break something up, and he did a couple cheap shots on me and things like that. But um, uh, I think he tried to physically just pick me up cause I'm a small guy and just toss me in the, out of the ring. But he was, he just so happened to aim for a chair that was upside down and the legs were out. So he was getting ready to try and I knew it already, but thank God I saw it and I hooked, I hooked my arm on the uh, ropes there, but, uh, <laughs> wow. Um, so he didn't get me and all that, but I remember trolling his, angel fire website for <laughs> a good a good month or two and then like i get like buddies like hey you gotta check this website out it's hilarious and um i know that a, a lot of my buddies um uh, i gotta hand it uh i don't want to consider him a student he's another one of my best friends in the business but i met him in kaiju he he helped me out a lot in my career so anthony here's a plug for you but, but man he was so entertained by this uh veteran wrestler so like they would all heckle him at the <laughs> in the crowd anytime we went to the uh, a show. So. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't because of me; they just thought he was that entertaining. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the time that you were legitimately surprised by someone else in the ring? Uh, either you didn't really know them, and you guys just had chemistry that completely fit, or maybe it was someone who had like kind of a bad reputation and was just like awesome in the ring and you're like i have no idea what the fuck people are talking about like i really just enjoyed working in this match you know um i don't know what the um uh history was but uh i know a fight broke out in the locker room one one day uh with um uh davy davy uh cash and that was my first impression of him and um um i don't know what the whole thing was about but uh, he was definitely going after a buddy of mine. And, uh, you know, we all squashed it. Uh, I, I think they squashed it later on. But um, I remember I had to wrestle Davey or be a tag uh, tag partner with him for one match. And it was fun. And, uh, like, he, whatever guy I saw in that uh, locker room brawl or whatever it was, was not the guy that I teamed up with. And I remember we were just joking around in the, in the locker room before the match, going over spots and just having a good time. And, um, yeah, um, I remember just telling him, um, oh, man, so 
Yeah, I remember. Uh, we haven't met before, but you know, I <laughs> I was definitely there. And he goes, "Oh man, I was so heated that day." And all that. I was, "That's cool." And he's just like, "I just want you to know, man. Like, I'm a cool dude, and all this." And, yeah. But, uh, as far as like a guy in the ring, I think it's more on the other way around because when I moved to Boston, I was the outsider, so I didn't have a reputation. They did, they they don't know if I was some backyard guy or some hotshot that's saying he's a wrestler and things like that. But um, I definitely got met with a couple guys, big time in me, like, who are you and how long you've been training? And then once I dropped Donovan or Mike's name and how many years I was training, they're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, I've never had that. Like, Oh man, who the hell am I wrestling? <laughs> I, I was always, always been that guy too, where like, I know that I've been in the ring with someone that wasn't a, that wasn't experienced. Um, and I don't know if I was a natural or like, it's just something I picked up, but I would always coach him along through the match and it ended up being a great match. Things like that. Um, yeah, (laughs) I would just tell him what I want. Has a booker stiffed you on money? And if so, what are some fun excuses for doing so? No, they just pay me very little. I've never been stiffed on a payday, but they pay me very little. All right. I've definitely had some good paydays. I've definitely had some terrible paydays, but, um, um, sometimes I would safeguard it too. Like if I ever was ever going to LA, right? Like I had money to get a flight out there, but I'd always tell them like, Hey, I'm taking the Greyhound. Can you help me? <laughs> Something like that. And they're like, Oh, you're taking a Greyhound. I feel sorry for it. It's a couple bucks. <laughs> so I learned that one from Joey, by the way. There you go. <laughs> uh, what's the hardest you've laughed at an indie show? Uh, what was Paul Brown's, uh, promotion out in Concord? Um, was it WCWC? Something like that. I've got, I'm trying to remember. I remember working for a show uh, for Paul Brown, and there was like a battle royal, <laughs> and there was a guy in there with a luchador mask on, but like the design had like a bullet hole and blood coming out, right? Okay. And um, Joey and Vinny were pummeling this guy, and. You know, they're, they're heels. I'm a face. So, like, I'm not supposed to be near them. But Vinny just felt the need to point at the guy's mask and kept going, I think he got shot. I think he got shot. <laughs> right? And I'm in the fucking ring trying not to laugh. And I'm looking at Joey, and he's already beat red, dying laughing. <laughs> and it came to the point where it's just like I had to turn my back and I'm just like kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing but i could hear this Vinny still behind me like sitting cross-legged and pointing at this guy like i think he got shot i think he got shot <laughs> so i was dying and we were laughing about that on the car ride back back home so um, was, uh, west coast wrestling alliance is that what it was you know i couldn't tell you yeah <laughs> All I know is that ring was made of cement and it was in concrete. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other funny jokes there. Joey and I would have this thing because we knew each other so well in the ring. We just started telling terrible jokes to each other in the ring. <laughs> you know, like the stupid shit, like, uh, I may be canceled for this, but you know, it's just like, Hey, how come women don't wear wristwatches? Hey, uh, leapfrog, drop down, drop kick. <laughs> Cause there's a, there's a watch on the stove. <laughs> Clock on the stove. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Things like that. And, you know, 
trying to make each other not laugh while we're wrestling each other. Yeah. <laughs> like Joey did this thing in the ring that I almost laughed. And I just saw the match earlier. Um, but we were watching WrestleMania three one day. And I think it was either Rick Mortel or Tom Zink. He just felt the need to body slam the guy and then just do a nip up for no fucking reason and just do this. Joey did the same spot in one of our matches in LA. And here I am trying to sell. And I look to the side of me like this and I see him doing a nip up and he does, <laughs> does that. So that's something else that was just like, dude, you're killing me here. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So when you're wrestling a lot around the country, you see a lot of gimmicks. What's the worst gimmick you've seen? A CM Punk lookalike, but he can't wear, he cannot wear a top. So he bought like an X um, Under Armour top. And he has, but he has the old whole ensemble <laughs> of CM mm. But like, yeah, the X's and the tape and yeah, the kick pads and the clearly they, they have the stars and all that and all that. But then like he wore his Under Armour. <laughs> um, I never liked the baggy shorts and the tank top and the kick pads. Never liked that. Mm. Yeah. Um, Vito taught me something early on uh, in, uh, in the beginner's camp. If you wear that, this is what you look like. You know, drop money on tights. Right? <laughs> so uh, I always I always made it a point to, you know, one, I, I bought boots on my for, for my first match. Uh, I was, but I always made it a point to look like a wrestler. So yeah, there was there was a guy. There was a guy at VTW who wore, um, I think they were like, like dirt bike pants, like Fox Racing pants, and that wasn't his gimmick. Like his gimmick wasn't a racer. That just happened to be the pants he wore. Did it have like the hard plastic padding on there where just like could fucking decimate someone? Jesus. <laughs> I was just like, it's just a very strange, like, okay. I mean, I get it if like that's supposed to be your gimmick, I guess. I mean, it's not a good gimmick, but at least it makes sense. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, I always laugh. You know, I'm a little priss when it comes to tights too, man. I like, I used to cherish those things. Like they were just like my, my fucking, my war outfit and all that. But I remember wrestling modest. Uh, at Lathrop and I don't know what came over him uh, but he proceeded to take my tights these are my first pair of tights and he just ripped them in the middle of the match so now I have like this exposed leg and I'm supposed to be selling but like I know I must have yelled and I'm like oh dude new tights (laughs) 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 but yeah oh that's amazing yeah, you mentioned the uh, the guy like ripping on ripping off the uh, the CM Punk gimmick. I always it always makes me laugh when you see guys who are obviously doing someone else's like shtick, and you're it like, kills me. it's like it, why why do this? Yeah, it kills me, and it's you know, and it. I'm not saying they're not talented, but it's just like, come on, man! Like we know that you're watching TV, you know. Like yeah. if you're gonna rip somebody off don't rip it off from another wrestling promotion or if you're going to do it, make sure they don't know the guy, you know, like with me, like, I'm not going to lie. Cause you know, there'd be guys I'd look up to in the indie scene, you know, like uh, besides like Donovan and Mike, like I always thought hook was 
like, man, this dude's super talented and tough as nails, but I wouldn't completely rip him off. Like, um, I would like, he would do a move and I was like, no, I want to try that. And I would try it someplace else, you know, or, um, you know, Oliver John and, um, Adam Thornstow at one time they were big in, in the the NorCal scene. I don't know. Like, you know, and I, when I see them on like on TNA or impact or something, like, I'm like, Oh, awesome. But like, you know, they would do things that I would never emulate or copy. Right. But like, there were definitely some like, dude, like whatever they're doing, like I need, I need some of that fire, you know? Um, but I don't know who had the Mohawk first me or Adam, but you know, like he definitely made it look cool. And I definitely thought he was, he was pretty dope. So <laughs> funny as hell too. So, <laughs> So we kind of went into this a little bit, but any, uh, you know, former WWE, WCW, ECW, or just big name guys in the Indies who thought they were bigger than the show, acted like they were bigger than the show, just really rubbed you the wrong way. Once again, don't have to mention any names, but just, you know, guys that thought they were really big and just kind of acted like it. I'm going to piggyback on Jason Styles' story with uh, Big Vito because he was not nice from the beginning. And he, I mean tall big specimen of a man like he was huge you know but my story from that very same night we're at uh i think we're at applebee's or chili's at the after show and uh obviously jason wasn't there but you know we it was somebody had to go to the after party <laughs> after the show so i was there and you know i had my meal and i had my beer and then when i said goodbye to everyone shake everyone's hand that guy has bananas for and it's like a thing of bananas right and man i went in for that handshake and he was really quick on the draw you know when you ever do that when you like you you grab someone's hand too quick for a handshake yeah and like they don't like they don't grip it so like he definitely like squeezed my fingers and like grabbed my hand and he goes what the fuck's the matter with you shake my hand like a man and i was like and we're in this loud restaurant. I was like, well, sir, I didn't want to just, uh, you, you grab my hand too fast or anything like that. But he, that was my interaction. It's like, bro, relax, dude. <laughs> I was like, tell me to, you're telling me to grab my, uh, shake your hand like a man. Yet you draw eyebrows on your head. <laughs> you know, so it's like, <laughs> I'm like fucking chill, dude. <laughs> you know, relax. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> uh... By the end of the night, no one's going to know who you are. <laughs> it's just like, I used to love. So I'm talking uh, shit. Wow, uh, I didn't think I was going to talk shit about anyone or bury anyone. I just buried Big Vito. <laughs> I always loved the BTW after parties. Like I remember going and we went to a karaoke bar, and I did karaoke. And like I remember getting complimented by Jeff Jarrett after I did karaoke. And I was like, I was yeah. like, what is? And I was like, you know, thinking like at that point I've already smartened up to the business or whatever. But I remember just like thinking in the back of my head, like, what is my life right now? That like Jeff Jarrett is complimenting me. <laughs> I'm like karaoke. <laughs> oh man, that's good. That's good. I, you know, I like stories like that though. Yeah. You know, like driving Spike Dudley from Hayward to East Jesus Nowhere, California for an autograph site. You know, it's just like, um, you know, that's one guy that never big time. Oh, he remembered me when I was in Boston because he was in Rhode Island. So I, I saw him a couple of shows, but no, totally friendly, you know, and, he was making fun of me because I used the e-brake when I parked the car <laughs> things like that. But I was like, you told me that's your car. You told me to be safe. What do you want me to do? And he goes, yeah. I did say that. 
fucker. <laughs> 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 but uh, other guys, I don't want to bury this individual because he's a cool guy. But um, I remember an iron. There was, uh, I think, a beginner got a little lippy with uh, this uh, superstar. And it wasn't pretty. And I know that Bonsai Bruce and I had to escort this guy out of the building. <laughs> the student, not the wow. not the celebrity. But um uh, that was a really that was an ugly that was an ugly one. So <laughs> uh so I'm gonna go ahead and finish on this. Um this is I call it the touchy feely question of the podcast. This is your pure joy in wrestling, whether it be something before, during, or after the match, you get the goosebumps. You're like, this is why I fucking love this business. Ooh, the creative part. I, uh, I started, uh, taking things really seriously in wrestling. Once I moved to Boston, I wanted to change my look. I kept the name. I be honest. I didn't, I wasn't really high on the KG Murrow part, but it stuck with me. Um, but I remember I bought a pair of new tights, snakeskin tights. And, um, you know, my influences outside of wrestling, I grew up with things like Ren and Stimpy, Eddie Murphy movies, uh, Looney Tunes, uh, things like that. I wanted my wrestling persona to be as colorful as those things. You know, like uh, if I was a face, it was Axel Foley, you know, from Beverly Hills Cop. If I was a heel it was Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols, it, it, you know, because um, I knew that I wasn't going to beat anybody up, but I can stress the hell out of somebody and be a pain in the ass in the ring. And that's kind of what I wanted. Um, uh, the Dark Knight was uh, just came out around that time. So, like, everyone knows that Joker couldn't kick the shit out of Batman, but he can be a pain in the ass. I was like, oh, I could do that. Um so those are the things I like. That's why I like I liked hanging out in the promo room at New England Championship Wrestling because they would kind of give me an idea on a piece of paper of what they want me to say, but they said I can be as creative as I wanted. Yeah. So that was cool for me. Um, at the end of the night, though, um, one of my big things for me was you don't have to live your gimmick outside of the ring, but make sure you're cool when if you get passed by somebody um, in the audience, right? So I remember there was always some guy in the lobby in New England Championship Wrestling in that armory in Quincy, Massachusetts. Um, they're like, oh my God, you're funny as hell. You're funny as hell. And I've seen a lot of wrestlers not break kayfabe and like throw a garbage can, <laughs> you know, and just throw a fit. And they're just, I, I know they're being funny, right? But because my character was just a smart ass, essentially, you know, I can just be smug with people and uh, still sign an autograph or get take pictures and things like that. And I remember these kids, uh, they just like, hey, you're that funny guy. Uh, can we get a picture with you? You're the guy with the mohawk. And I don't know why I found a toolbox is laying around there. <laughs> so I gave them all hammers and I had a hammer and we posed with hammers. So that's what I really like is the the people who appreciate the show and like they can separate the, the show from reality. And they just, they just want to introduce themselves and things like that. Cause there's definitely some times where I met someone and just wanted to shake their hand and say, hello, I'm a big fan of them. And they didn't give two shits and things like that. And, you know, I was like, really, really like Lita, really, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but, um, um, 
I just shat on Lita. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just always wanted to be that guy. Uh, yes, especially with the kids. Yeah, things like that because uh, they're the ones that they they think this is the coolest thing ever. You know, so um, yeah, just the creativity at all. Um, one of the things I stole from Bruce Dickinson of the Iron Maiden. He would always pick out somebody in the fan uh, in the crowd and be like, "That one, that one. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the guy that um, I'm entertaining. Like it, it can be in the back of the uh, auditorium or the front. So for me, I always took that going into the matches. Like there was one guy in the crowd, and um, if anyone that I was going to, if anyone in the crowd that I'm entertaining, it's going to be that guy. And it, it actually worked a lot. Uh, that helped me out a lot. So whether it was a friend of mine or the regular person in, uh, that always shows up at the show, right? But, yeah, I imagine um, it gives you like a focus. Yeah. Like I've never had um, like uh, – I've never been nervous because there's so many people watching. I was always nervous because I was, I was afraid of fucking up in the ring, which definitely happened. But mm. after a while, like I was – I learned very quickly like just um, – how to cover that, you know? Yeah. I was gonna say, and I definitely fucked up a lot of spots. So <laughs> I was going to say, uh, it's kind of like, you know, when you have like a bunch of projects to do at once, you're kind of like, where do I start? So like, mm-hmm. if you think of the audience as like a whole bunch of things, you're kind of like, well, wait, how do I, who do I, what do I do? Whereas you, like you said, you pick one person, you're kind of like, okay, this is what I'm mm-hmm. going to do right now. And it kind of helps, yep. you know, focus your brain, I guess you could say. Exactly. <laughs> yeah uh well thank you so much i appreciate having you on here some great stories some great talk please uh you know if, if people are not familiar with iron ray tyrannosaurus ray kg mora uh you know what matches should they look up you know find out more stuff about you you know i uh i don't know if he's wrestling anymore but a really good friend of mine um out in Boston, uh, one of my favorite matches and one of my greatest opponents. Um, Iron Raymond versus Anthony Stone is always one of my favorites uh, to watch. And uh, if there's any Ray KG Mora versus the Sheik matches from VTW on uh, YouTube, be sure to watch those. But uh, my favorite match, I have to give it up to... Ray Kajimura versus Chris Pyro, a main event at a New England Championship Wrestling. You can definitely catch that on YouTube and all that. So, um, yeah, uh, probably my biggest match ever. To, if I had to pinpoint one of them, so that was that was a that was a good one. One of my favorite ones. <laughs> all right, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate having you on. No problem, guys. Rock and roll.